Today we are in Mark 7, a long passage, 23 verses. It's all one story, so it's necessary to read them. So, Mark 7, 1 through 23, and we'll read that in a minute. So, as reading this chapter today, I was thinking about how traditions begin. Those customs that are handed down from generation to generation through teaching and practice. It seems that they start when someone says, that was fun. That was significant. That brought us together. We should do that again. As humans, it seems that traditions happen because they make us remember that we're part of something. They can bring us comfort. They anchor our lives. They reinforce values that we hold dear. They provide lasting memories. They offer a way to celebrate one another and to mark milestones on our journey. Traditions offer a meaningful way for us to reflect on our lives. A great thing about traditions is that they become part of the landscape of our family or our community. A difficult part of them is that sometimes people want to keep them going even after we're tired of doing them. Sometimes traditions become more pronounced than what they were originally meant to celebrate. Christmas is a prime example of this. For many people, the gifts and the carols and the lights and the food and the family traditions have replaced the worship of Jesus, whose birth we celebrate. People love the holiday, quite detached from its meaning. This is why believers insist on saying Merry Christmas and Jesus is the reason for the season instead of Happy Holidays. Traditions have supplanted the baby in the manger, but without him, there is no elf on the shelf. Mark records a passage today where Jesus is lamenting how traditions have become more important than God's word in his place. This is a theme he comes to often because even though people had ingeniously found ways to honor God, the end result had becoming not really desired by the Lord at all. The tradition had strayed too far from its original intent. The people were overly burdened, and the system had become tiresome for everyone, except for the ones who wanted to keep the traditions alive. They were insistent on their importance. So what we see here is a clash of values, where Jesus starts preaching the truth. So let's hear the word of the Lord from Mark 7, 1 through 23. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem had gathered around him, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders, and they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it, and there, and there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites, as it is written, 
This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Then he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must surely die. But you say that if anyone tells father or mother, whatever support you may have had from me is Corban, that is, an offering to God. Then you no longer permit doing anything for a father or mother, thus making void the word of God through your tradition that you have handed on. And you do many things like this. Then he called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. When he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then do you also fail to understand? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile, since it enters not the heart but the stomach and goes out into the sewer? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, It is what comes out of a person that defiles, for it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. The word of the Lord. The religious leaders come looking to change Jesus to their way of thinking and instead get a lesson from him of eternal perspective. In this conflict, we're going to see that traditions that take the place of God's word cause problems in our life. So we're going to explore these problems with four ideas that we see from this passage and from our own lives. First, we see how holding on to tradition more than God's word can make us legalistic toward others. The leaders have specifically traveled from Jerusalem to talk to Jesus because they're worried about the influence he's having on the crowds. In the words of Father Gregory Boyle, who is here this week, they've gone to demonize him. This is the second time that we have seen them go out of their way in this book so they might bring Jesus, whom they see as a rogue teacher, into conformity. And although they probably have many complaints about him, they must have decided that they're just going to start with the first thing that they notice, which is the disciples eating with hands that aren't clean. So the Pharisees confront Jesus directly about it, in verse 5, and say, Why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? Now here, they give themselves away. Notice they didn't say that Jesus and his disciples are breaking God's law. They said, you are breaking the tradition that is honored. Originally, the people were given the law from Moses. And over the years, scholars begin to implement thousands of unwritten rules to clarify how the laws could be applied to everyday life, to fill in the gaps, as it were. 
And instead of allowing people freedom to use their own best thinking or their experience or even taking wisdom from what went before, these rules began to be codified in a way that was binding, that became the authority instead of the scripture and enforced by the rabbis in charge. Later, they were written down. Hand washing with special water in a particular way is found in Exodus. It is meant for the priests only. But this obligation began to be imposed on everyone. Everyone who wanted to be right before God. But of course, it's ceremonial, not hygienic. And Mark indicates in verse 3 how everything has to be washed constantly because they're so afraid of being contaminated from the outside. In Israel, archaeologists have discovered lots of ritual bathtubs designed for immersing all of these items that Mark talked about and also including the entire body. So what began as a way to honor God morphed into human interpretation of what was thought to be best and then those regulations were put on everyone else as necessary to worship. Now the intention was good. They wanted to please God. They wanted to stay pure against outside influences. They may have even believed that the Lord was helping them to think through how to do this, these, these things. But by being bound by every eventuality that could happen, they were completely stifled. Now we know that this is not just a Jewish experience. That this has happened in all branches of God's body, the church, since the time of Pentecost, with people who have the Holy Spirit living in them, right? Rules, no music, no makeup, no dancing, no movies, no cards, no jewelry, and other things like them, those restrictions in the not-too-distant past that the church has put on its followers, Believing that adherence to these rules, not God's word, determines whether or not these people were living good enough lives to please God. And sometimes these rules determine salvation. In the Free Methodist Church, there came a time that we were very legalistic, starting in the 20s and 30s. And about that time that that started happening, we hit a plateau. It's hard to welcome sinners into our midst when there isn't any grace. And so that began to change in the 80s with different people. And they said, hey, this is not scriptural. This is not okay. We need to listen to the word of the Lord. We need to seek him for what it is that we really need to tell people. Who is their authority? God and his word? Or the church? We know that legalism is performance-based spirituality, believing that God requires more of us than his word alone. But we get into really difficult spots when we begin to think or say that we're better than other churches or other Christians because of how we honor God and how maybe they don't. We get into very dangerous territory when we say that certain Christians aren't saved. If we 
pressure those close to us to act in a certain way that doesn't have any biblical foundation, then we're out of line. Because in Christ, there is freedom. And he is going to tell people, he is going to tell us what it is, how it is that we need to live. Secondly, we see how legalism allows people to not honor what God really wants from them. In response to being confronted by hand washing, Jesus tells them that they're hypocrites. He quotes Isaiah to them and then accuses them of using human customs to override God's commandments. He gives an example in verse 11 that's a little bit hard for us to decipher. Corbin is an Aramaic word transliterated here from the Hebrew. And it's defined in the Old Testament as an offering to God. But in Jesus' time, it had become an oath that when sworn meant someone was dedicating something for God, and then that something couldn't be used for anything else. And here Jesus is saying that if somebody tells their parents that whatever money they were going to support them with is now Corbin, it means that now that money is only for the Lord, not for the parents. In other words, someone could skirt the commandment of honoring their parents by invoking this practice, which essentially had become a legal loophole for not helping others. And Jesus says, this is wrong because the tradition has given them permission to not honor God's true law. And Jesus then reveals that he knows they do many things like that. The problem is not the practice of dedicating something to God. The issue comes when we as humans decide that we're going to cheat other people and then put a spiritual glaze on top of it. The point of the commandments is to love God. The point of the commandments is to show us how to love other people. But sometimes if we choose to make a mockery of that, but we still want to be seen as righteous, when we ignore real needs that God might be asking us to meet, and choose to keep our wealth instead, saying, well, we wish that we could help, but, you know, we are bound by this other thing, then that's disingenuous, and we need to examine our hearts and our motivations. Whenever we hide behind holy language, because we don't want to follow God's call and urging, we need to pay attention to what the Spirit is saying to us. See, that's the hypocritical part of us, we want to look like we're doing good, even if we don't want to. So not only does this not honor God, but it offends him greatly. Thirdly, relying heavily on tradition will bring correction from the Lord. Jesus here is fiercely defending God's law from how humans try to change it. And of course, we know one of his purposes in coming to earth was to teach us clearly who God is and what he wants for, for us. God will always bring correction to his church. He will always bring correction to those who follow him and say that they know him and want to please him. Whenever people say they represent him, he will come alongside to bring reform and revival and true change when we get beyond the scope of his truth. Today, as in every generation, we see the body of Christ struggling in various ways. We see the church in lots of different 
branches trying to figure out who they are and who they're going to be in the future, who they are with the label that they have embraced or the denomination that says they believe certain things. We see Christians being ripped apart from one another because of how um, they're organized and how they don't want to be organized that way anymore and how scripture is currently being interpreted. And as the world changes, Christians need to figure out who we are in him and what that looks like. And robust discussion is healthy and civil debate is needed. But sometimes we sadly see people give up The pressure is too much from the outside world, and they decide that they're going to go with human tradition, completely throwing out God's word completely. And often we also see deep divides as the church has been splintered in order for people to keep what they believe intact. In these moments, what is most needed are times of confession and humility and deep prayer, and fasting, and falling on our faces, and seeking God's will for where he wants his community of faith to go. But these disagreements are painful. They are hard, especially when they turn contentious. You see, this is a difficult passage because there is no resolution. God in the flesh is giving much-needed truth, and the leaders will not acknowledge his authority... And they are demanding that he bend to their authority. This is dangerous ground. We cannot be people who do that. Wherever we find ourselves in the body of Christ, may we sincerely look to the scriptures. May we lead others in making sure that the scriptures are paramount, that Christ is the center of all that we decide and not promoting our own belief systems or agenda. Lastly, when tradition replaces God's word, it can make us dull to what evil truly is because our focus is in the wrong place. Jesus here is redefining Jewish identity in a revolutionary kind of way. We could talk all day about what's actually going on here. In Mark Uh, 19 he tells us that jesus is saying there's nothing that you can eat that defiles you god doesn't see you as unclean if you eat certain foods this is a big big change instead of constantly making sure that everything around them is clean so that they can be clean they should be thinking about what instead is being generated from inside of them And the disciples are trying to process this because this is revolutionary and this doesn't make sense to them. Jesus, what are you saying? And so he patiently explains the dietary restrictions are not as important to the Lord as the evil that comes out of our hearts. And he lists a number of sins in verses 21 and 23. The evil that Jesus talks about is what truly defiles us. But think about what he's saying here in the context of the rest of the scripture. When we keep our focus on rules that we think humans should be doing, that we're creating, we miss the bigger transgressions of God's holiness. You see, those who accused Jesus were kept very busy trying to be outwardly perfect and making sure that everyone knew how great that they were in the Lord's sight. But doing this 
can cause us to have major blind spots in our own lives because we're only looking at the external. We're only looking at criticizing other people. And then we miss what the Lord is saying to us. Legalism makes us spiritually vulnerable to devastating sin. It is the heart that we need to be paying attention to because that's where sin originates, no other place. So this is where we find ourselves at the end of the story. It's not that tradition, even spiritual ones, are wrong. There are beautiful traditions of the church that draw us close to the Lord and to his presence. It's not just that human customs can replace God's word. The real problem is with the heart. Because when our hearts are far from God, focusing on what we want, or when we go through the motions of religiosity without caring about being connected to him, then he is grieved and we are lost. And when we're not teachable to him when he talks to us, then we are in great danger of veering off course. So how is your heart today? In your walk with Jesus, has your criticism of others blocked you from the grace that he wants to offer you and them? Are there ways you have honored him outwardly, but inside been far from him? Is the focus of your life in the wrong place, creating a vulnerability to sin that you don't want to acknowledge? Jesus is our good teacher here. So let us take time in quiet, allowing him to speak to us about the truth of his word in our lives. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.